Hey, what's up everybody? Johnny Rico with you here, welcoming you to the Football Rico podcast show where we're going to discuss football. That's right. We are here to talk to you about some Mexican soccer. Welcome everybody. And for those of you who have been following me along through these podcast adventures, I do apologize. I know I've been doing a lot of trial and error, but I promise you this is just me trying to find the perfect formula to provide you with some quality content. I want to give you the best, the absolute best content so that you can stay informed on Mexican soccer. I want to share with you my knowledge of Mex Mexican soccer. I want you to be entertained with it. I, I don't want this to be a grind. I don't want this to be a struggle. I want you to thoroughly enjoy and look forward to new episodes of my podcast show, which is now Football Rico. So, how have you guys been all summer long? The action has not stopped for one second. Just a few months ago, Chivas of Guadalajara defeated Tigres in the 2016 Clausura, um, I'm sorry, 2017 Clausura final. They became champions for the first time in 10 years. And since then, the action has not stopped. Since then, the Mexican national team has been participating in the Confederations Cup, in the CONCACAF Gold Cup. Teams have been playing preseason friendlies, getting ready for the new Liga MX season that's about to start. Uh, last night, the Campeón de Campeones and Supercopa title matches took place. I'm recording this on a Monday, so those games took place last night on Sunday in Carson, California's StubHub Center, the home of the LA Galaxy and now San Diego Chargers as well. But that's we're not even going to get into that because that's that's a opening up a can of worms for yours truly, Johnny Rico, a San Diego native. So Mexican soccer, we'll stick to that and let's just get right into it because this week, less than one week from today, we're going to kick off the 2017 Apertura season of Liga MX. That kicks off this Friday, July 21st. Uh, two games scheduled for Friday. Uh, Monarcas Morelia will host Monterrey and Tijuana Cholos will host Cruz Azul. Those are the opening two games for Friday, July 21st. And that's going to get things started for the new Apertura season of Liga MX. We'll go over the big storylines to follow throughout the entire season. I'm going to go over some of the stuff that happened last night in Carson during the Campeón de Campeones and Supercopa title matches. And we're going to go over some of the national team material, how the Mexican national team has been performing at the CONCACAF Gold Cup. Yours truly has been able to go to two of the three games so far. I went to the opener against El Salvador. I went to the second game against Jamaica. I did not get to go to last night's game against Curuzao. That was on the same day as the Campeón de Campeones and Supercopa. But all things uh, go according to plan. I'll be in Phoenix for the quarterfinal match against Honduras. So we'll go over how the national team is performing in this Gold Cup. 
that's what we have in store for you today here on Football Rico. And we begin with the national team, the Mexican national team, El Tri, which is participating in the 2017 CONCACAF Gold Cup. We'll go over how the national team is doing before we dive into the club football aspects of things and the start of the new Liga MX season. So, El Tri, they finished the group stage of the Gold Cup with seven points, two wins, one draw. Pretty good numbers uh, for for a group stage of a competition. They beat El Salvador 3-1 in the opening match. Then they tied 0-0 against Jamaica. And then last night they beat Curacao 2-0 and move on as Group C winners. They move on to the quarterfinals where on Thursday night they're gonna face Honduras, the third place finishers of Group A. Um, so they're gonna face off there for a chance to advance to the semifinals of the Gold Cup. Now, again, those are very good numbers. Two wins, a draw, seven points, five goals scored, only one allowed. But numbers has never been a problem for Mexican national team since Juan Carlos Osorio, the Colombian manager, has taken over. The problem comes with what's actually going on in the field. And the problem also is part who Juan Carlos Osorio sends out onto the field. Juan Carlos Osorio made 10 roster changes to his starting lineup that faced Jamaica to the one that faced Curuzao in San Antonio. 10 changes. That's a lot of changes in a short tournament. You know, Juan Carlos Osorio, before taking over Mexico, had never coached a national team before. He has absolutely no experience besides the failed Copa America last year and the Confederations Cup from a month ago. And he continues to make these wild rotations to his squad. And you know, that's that's just not a way to play an international tournament. Things like the 7-0 and 4-1 will end up happening when you you know do these radical things in a short tournament now in CONCACAF you know there's there's just weaker teams and they're not going to make you pay for those mistakes like in a Copa America or Confederations Cup and unfortunately Juan Carlos Osorio will continue to make these mistakes without getting punished for them in CONCACAF He's going to continue to rack up those positive numbers that make everything look pretty, you know, to the point where American journalists don't understand why the Mexican media and the Mexican fans are so critical of Juan Carlos Osorio. I was sitting in the press conference in San Diego uh, with Juan Carlos Osorio prior to the first game of the Gold Cup, and the American journalists their questions to Osorio were, why are you getting so criticized in Mexico? They just can't wrap their heads around a manager that racks up so many positive numbers, so many wins, so few losses, getting criticized so much. But the problem, like I said, comes with what's going on on the field. And against, if we look at the 
the parts of what Mexico has done this Gold Cup. We take a look at how El Salvador came out attacking. They put pressure on that Mexican defense. They made that Mexican defense look weak. They attacked and they even got to score a goal very quickly after Mexico had taken a, the lead in the 10th minute. El Salvador quickly equalized in the 11th. And again, yesterday against uh, Curusel, Curusel atta attacked Mexico. I, I remember hearing all of the Mexican players in the mix zone, in the mix zone interview saying how they expected Curusel to just sit back and bunker in and kind of park the bus. But no, Curusel came out attacking. They put a lot of pressure on Mexico last night. Goalkeeper Jesus Corona was forced to come up with big saves to keep Curusel off the board. And that's just been Curusel's problem all tournament long. They, they lost all three games this tournament, but in all three games, they could have won. They could have taken wins if finishing had been better for them. And again, yesterday, better finishing could have led to something more against Mexico, but it didn't. And, you know, Juan Carlos Osorio goes unpunished for these tactical mistakes that he keeps on doing with the Mexican national team. One of the big solutions I've kind of mentioned over and over again to my peers and colleagues is the role of the defensive midfielder. And you take a guy, take a look at a guy like Jesus Molina. Jesus Molina was sent to the bench during the first game of the Gold Cup. And El Salvador looked very dangerous in the first half. They scored that goal. They attacked, you know, during the opening minutes of the game. They made the defense look vulnerable. Jesus Molina subbed in at halftime of that game and during the entire second half, the entire El Salvador attack just couldn't produce anything else. You know, once you have a guy like Molina in front of the defenders giving stability to that defensive line, things changed. Molina was a starter and played all 90 minutes against Jamaica. And honestly, even though despite the, the final score 0-0, I think Mexico played its best football under Juan Carlos Osorio during the first 45 minutes against Jamaica. The defense and the midfield looked compact. You know, the few times that Jamaica did attack, the the Mexican defensive unit was able to handle that because Molina in front of those defenders, bringing stability to the whole defensive unit, were able to take care of all those problems. And you know, for for the second half Mexi of that Jamaica game, Mexico did start to get frustrated. The substitutions that Osorio sent did not help whatsoever. They they you know killed any momentum that Mexico might have gotten in the first half, and that was unfortunate because again, it was the best 45 minutes that I have seen under Juan Carlos Osorio, and. The final result and the fact that the substitutions kind of killed that momentum was a shame. It ended up being a pretty boring game throughout the second half. And and now again, Molina was not played against Curusel, and Curusel's you know created a lot of damage. You know, not damage, but danger. Curusel created a lot of danger on the Mexican goal. The goalkeeper had to be the hero. Once again, there was not that stability in midfield to to bring balance to the defense. 
the defense was very vulnerable without a guy like Molina. And I mean, I was petitioning for Molina to be in the Confederations Cup because, you know, he does provide that stability. In the Confederations Cup, we had games where Giovanni Dos Santos and Marco Fabian were all alone in the midfield. You know, to begin with, Juan Carlos Osorio prioritizes the the wing plays, so Giovanni Dos Santos did not get a hold of the ball that often, and then he had to be tracking back to cover in the defensive midfield responsibilities because there was no one else behind him because Juan Carlos Osorio failed to put in a defensive midfielder. And when you're asking Giovanni Dos Santos to be a defensive midfielder, there's a problem. He's not going to be able to do that. He's not going to be able to shine. And I think Giovanni Dos Santos took a lot of unfair criticism from the Confederations Cup tournament because he was, you know, he was put in a no-win situation. He was never going to be able to shine as a, you know, taking on defensive midfielder responsibilities. And then the defense is left vulnerable with no defensive midfielder or Giovanni Dos Santos as your defensive midfielder. The defense becomes very vulnerable and, you know, teams like Germany and Portugal are just going to make you pay for those mistakes you know so tactical errors like that is what has Mexican media Mexican fans on Juan Carlos Osorio's case because he is a little stubborn and won't fix those problems those problems have been going on since last year's Copa America Centenario and there's just no solution in sight it doesn't seem like Juan Carlos Osorio is ever going to change away from his radical rotations against his radical game plans and while it might be successful against CONCACAF, weak CONCACAF teams like Curacao, El Salvador and Jamaica it's not going to get you very far in the long run and that's where Mexico stands they could win this gold cup you know but what will that mean in the long run does that mean Mexico better themselves and give themselves a better chance for next year's World Cup? I doubt it. I highly doubt it. So, that's where the reality of L3 sits. Alright, we move on from national team action to club football because this week, five days from now, we get to kick off a new season of Liga MX, the 2017 Apertura season is here. And every year we have the Campeona Campeones and Supercopa MX title matches to serve as a curtain call for the brand new season that approaches. Those two games took place last night at Carson California's StubHub Center. Now for those of you who are unfamiliar with these uh, title matches, they're very similar to, let's say, the Community Shield in England or the Super Cup in Spain. Uh, they're some might consider preseason, but they're still official games with official titles on the line. Now, this tournament kind of dates back to way back in the day in Mexican soccer when the champion of the league would face off against the cup champion to decide who was the champion of champions, Campeón de Campeones. And this new modern version of the Campeón de Campeones will pit 
the Apertura champion against the Clausura champion to decide who is the champion of champions. And also, under this brand new modern system, we get the Supercopa MX, which pits the Apertura Copa MX champion against the Clausura Copa MX champions. And this year's participants were Tigres, who won the Apertura 2016 league title against Chivas, who won the Clausura 2017 league, league final in a rematch of the final that just took place a few months ago. So that was very exciting. And in the other game, we had Querétaro, who won the Apertura 2016 Copa MX against Club America. Now, Club America did not win a Copa MX. The winner of the Copa MX was Chivas. Chivas won the league and cup double in the Clausura 2017. So because Chivas were participating in the Campeón de Campeones, they could not participate in the Supercopa that same day. So instead, they had to call in the team who won the most points throughout the group stage of the Copa MX, both Apertura and Clausura combined. And that team was Club America. They they did not win the Copa MX, but they did have merits to be there playing against Querétaro in the Supercopa. And we'll start off with that game. Querétaro takes the surprising win over Club America. They win the Supercopa MX. This is only their second official title besides the Copa MX championship that they won. So congratulations to Querétaro on winning their second trophy in the top flight of Mexican soccer. They also have three titles in the Ascenso MX, but I'm not counting those uh, top level titles. So congratulations Querétaro. They win the Supercopa MX 2017. And it was, it was a little rough to watch. And not just, uh, not just as an America fan, but just as a soccer fan in general. It was not an enjoyable game to watch. Querétaro got an early penalty called in their favor. I think it was in the 11th minute. And Emmanuel Ortito Villa stepped up and blasted the ball into the net, giving Querétaro the early lead. And from that point on, Querétaro bunkered into the, their own defensive zone. They prevented America from creating any kind of danger on their goal. And they just locked everything up in the back they called in their team bus driver and parked that bus in front of the goal as is usually said in these situations america on the other hand were very unable to break down that defense they lacked ideas they lacked that spark of talent to break down this very well organized queretaro defense they started getting frustrated the america players started playing long passes across the field which is very unusual from a Miguel Herrera team. We all know that Miguel Pio Herrera is a disciple of Ricardo Lavolpe and both managers like to have their teams play out of the back with the ball in their feet with possession of the ball and they hate sending long passes that you know divide the ball, creates 50-50 challenges. And America were becoming so frustrated that that's what they were relying on. Those really long passes. And they were usually ending up as either misplaced passes way too far out of their teammates reach. Or it ended up in an offside call. And 
America was just unable to create that spark going forward to look for an equalizer. Querétaro, on the other hand, they set back. They easily controlled the those long passes I was talking about. And then they found a second goal off of a corner kick. Irán Mier headed the ball in between two America defenders and doubled the Querétaro lead. And it was all just sealed from there. You know, America did not have the talent to go out and look for an equalizer, much less to try and overcome a two-goal deficit. Querétaro just kind of coasted all the way to the final whistle, all the way to lifting up the Supercopa MX title. And they leave happy. Uh, their manager, Jaime Lozano, has a very interesting project going on with Querétaro. They do face some relegation troubles in the league, but I think this win, this title, this piece of silverware will give them the confidence heading into this new season. As far as America, you know, Miguel Piojo Herrera is going to have to figure out some things because if America play like this during the season, you can't expect much to happen from there. I think that Miguel Herrera is going to need his club directors to sign a few one or two international players because as of now I don't see America with the talent necessary to achieve the big things that America normally likes to achieve. Now moving on to the next game the Campeona Campeones Tigres against Chivas that was a much more exciting and enjoyable match both teams came out aggressive both teams wanted to win and plenty of chances were created in front of goal um tigres they were missing key components in their midfield and had to go ultra aggressive in their starting lineup they sent out practically an all attack starting 11 because they didn't have much else they are they were missing Guido Pizarro, who was very recently transferred from Tigres over to Sevilla in Spain. And they're missing Jesus Dueñas, who's currently with the Mexican national team at the CONCACAF Gold Cup. So, instead of those players, you had Juninho, a center back, step into midfield. And you had Lucas Celarayan playing in the midfield, which is very odd for, for a creative player like Celarayan. To be playing in the middle of the field like he was yesterday for Tigres. Tuca Ferretti also sent out the attacking wingers Javier Aquino and Jurgen Dam, as well as center striker Andre Pierre Gignac and Ismael Sosa as and Chilean international Eduardo Vargas. So a very attack heavy Tigres side against a Chivas team that was also missing a lot of players. Chivas had way more absences than Tigres, and in the long run, it ended up hurting Chivas. They they did come out and fed off of the enormous support they had at the StubHub Center. Chivas fans filled the stadium. Uh, they It was a complete sellout, over 25,000 people, and the majority of them were Chivas fans, and Chivas fed off of that energy during the first you know 15 minutes of the game and started really creating and trying to take advantage of those gaps in midfield that Tigres had but in the end Chivas just had way too many absences 
Alan Pulido out with a shoulder injury that he picked up with the national team at the Gold Cup. He's going to miss the entire season. Uh, Rodolfo Pizarro also out. He's currently with the national team as well as Edelago Marin. Um, Alejandro Mayor. Mayorga is also out with the national team. Um, a few other names that I'm just kind of skipping my mind right now, but in total, seven absences for Chivas. And they just couldn't handle the, the powerful Tigres team. Tigres ended up winning the game 1-0, but it could have easily been 4-5-0. or five zero. Andre Pierre Gignac just had a complete horror of a night. He was missing one-on-ones. He was missing wide, wide open goals from inside the six yard box. You know, goals that he normally scores, he was just completely sending the other way over the crossbar or wide. He was definitely not on form. Any other day, Gignac alone could have had three goals, but that lack of finishing kept the score at a one goal difference. The goal came from Eduardo Vargas who minutes before the goal had blasted the ball off the post. So he was getting very close to scoring until he finally broke through the deadlock and gave Tigres the lead and eventually the win. And Tigres are now the champion of champions. They avenge their loss to Chivas in the Clausura final just a few months ago. And now they move on to the next season where Tigres will definitely be hungry for something more in this next upcoming season having lost the league final last season having lost the CONCACAF Champions League final against Pachuca so Tigres are back they're they won this piece of silverware and they're gonna be hungry for more this next season and we'll wrap up this episode of Football Rico podcast show with a little of what to expect in the new upcoming season of Liga Mekis, the 2017 Apertura season, which kicks off again five days from now on Friday, July 21st. We're going to have two games on Friday to kick off this new season. Monarcas Morelia will host Monterrey. That's going to be at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Then that's going to be followed by Tijuana Cholos hosting Cruz Azul. Yours truly should be there. It's going to be a little rough day. I'm going to be in Phoenix, Arizona covering the Mexico quarterfinal the night before. And then I will drive back to San Diego, Tijuana, hopefully in time to make the Tijuana Cholos versus Cruz Azul. That's going to be at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. And from there, we'll have... On Saturday, July 22nd, we'll have the debut of Lobos Buap in Liga MX. They're going to host Santos Laguna. That's going to be at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. Tigres will host Puebla. That's going to be at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, July 22nd. At the same time, Leon will host Atlas. Uh... Followed by America hosting Querétaro in a rematch of last night's Supercopa MX. That's going to be at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, July 22nd. 
And at the same time, Chivas will host Toluca. Uh, that's going to be kind of difficult to follow both America and Chivas game going on at the same time. But we'll see what we can do there. And then two games to close out week one on Sunday, July 23rd. Pumas will host Pachuca. That's 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. And Veracruz hosting Necaxa. That's going to be at 4.30 Pacific, 7.30 Eastern on Sunday. That's going to be your week one of Apertura 2017 season. Most of these teams were going to have some kind of absences. The Mexican national team, again, still in action at the CONCACAF Gold Cup. And some of the big storylines to follow throughout this new season of Liga MX. Number one, without a doubt, is the return of Miguel Herrera to Club America. Now, I, I tweeted this out yesterday, a little fun fact. Miguel Herrera has lost two championship, two title matches in his last two consecutive official games for America. He lost last night, the Supercopa MX. And before that, his last official game before leaving to go with the Mexican national team, he lost the 2013 Apertura title to Leon. So that's two consecutive trophies that Miguel Herrera has lost with Club America. He's not off to the he's not off to a good start, is he? He said yesterday in his post-game uh, press conference that this was a fracaso, a failure. He's are you know he has he's not shy of telling things how it is. He qualified this 2-0 loss to Querétaro in the Supercopa as a failure, and he's gonna want to correct that. And there's gonna be a lot of things for America to correct. They were lacking that talent. They were lacking that tactical awareness of how to break down a defense they got first the team got very frustrated very quick so Miguel Herrera is going to have to fix that and as of now he has the support of the fans I think it was Sage mentioning on ESPN that Miguel Herrera needs to take advantage of this time that the fans are still on his side because the Global America fans can turn on a manager very very quickly and Miguel Herrera is going to have to figure out some solutions whilst he's still in the good graces of the Club America fan base. Number two storyline. I'm going to go with uh, Tijuana Cholos rebuilding. Tijuana Cholos were the first team ever since short tournament, short semester tournaments were introduced to, to win or to finish at the top of the league table in two consecutive seasons. They went back to back as top of the table. And they've, they've lost a lot of that base that, that got those historic results. Miguel Herrera is no longer their manager. He's now with America. And Herrera took with him star defensive midfielder Guido Rodriguez and young up-and-coming defender Carlos Vargas. Both of them saw action yesterday in the Supercopa match. Both of them are now with America. And the other big absence for Tijuana Cholos is the departure of Aviles Hurtado. He moves on to Monterrey. Milton Caraglio, who I never thought was a very talented player, but he was always a key fixture in the starting lineup. He has moved on to Atlas. So this is definitely a rebuilding year for Tijuana Cholos, and it's going to be an interesting ride to follow 
see how they managed to rebuild. They got new manager Eduardo Caudet coming in. They got interesting signings uh, like Bao, the, the Argentine striker. See how he fits in in his first season in Mexico. They got several other key players. Uh, I'm gonna look. I'm looking forward to seeing Mar Juan Martin Lucero as a starting striker. This is gonna be his second season in Mexico. Uh, he didn't get a lot of playing time under Herrera during his first semester there. So, but he is one of the few players still remaining uh, after last season. I'm, I'm gonna be excited to see Paul Arriola kind of consolidate himself. He's gonna be missing the first few weeks as he is still with the United States men's national team at the Gold Cup. Also, Joe Corona at the Gold Cup for the U.S. He had a goal in the last game for the U.S. and I'm gonna I'm gonna be very excited to see his development throughout this season and how he fits into Caudet's uh, formation. So it's not nobody knows what to expect from Cholos. It's just gonna be a very interesting ride to follow and. They're actually their week one opponent, Cruz Azul. That's another big storyline to follow throughout this season. Paco Gemes was given the opportunity to continue as manager. The Spaniard did not have the results he wanted during his first season in charge at Cruz Azul, but he did have them playing a different, a more refreshing brand of football that some Cruz Azul fans enjoyed. And I think that giving him time to work and develop that system was the correct thing to do. Um, they, they no longer have to worry about that relegation threat immediately. They do need to keep an eye on it in the long-term future because, as we know, nobody gets relegated at the end of an apertura season. Only at the end of a clausura season does someone get relegated. So Paco Gemes is going to have that flexibility to work but results need to start coming in for Cruz Azul in that aspect. And my third and final kind of point to follow along this season is how the powerful Monterrey teams do. That's uh, Rayados and Tigres. They are hungry for success. They want to be considered among the elite in Mexican soccer. They have a lot of money at their disposal. They're not shy of using that money and signing big name players and they're going to be gunning for glory this season both monterrey and tigres did not have did not close out last season the way they wanted to they felt short of their goals so they're going to be out hungry for success so that's going to be a very interesting storyline to follow throughout the season tigres might start off slow because that's because Tuca Ferretti, that's just his style. He knows there's no value in starting a season strong. There's a lot of value in finishing uh, the season strong, just like it was the case last season. He, Tigres barely sneaked in to the playoffs in seventh place, but went all the way to the final as heavy favorites to win the championship. So that will wrap up this Football Rico podcast show episode. The, we previewed the 2017 Apertura season. We went over some Campeón de Campeones action. We went over what the Mexican national team is doing in the Gold Cup. Make sure to follow follow me on social media at Johnny Rico on Twitter, the Johnny Rico page on Facebook, 
and football rico on instagram uh plenty of content going on check out prost america that's where you can find my articles at prost soccer on twitter at prost america on facebook that's where you can read up on everything i'm writing all the coverage of all these games i'm going to make sure to follow along keep listening here on the football rico podcast I'm going to be, I'm going to try and commit myself to a new episode every week. We'll talk about the biggest things happening in Mexican soccer. So until next time, I say goodbye. I hope you've enjoyed this. Make sure to share this with your friends. Tell people on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram to follow the Football Rico podcast show. Goodbye, everybody.